0: The following resource is from LMPC.org, and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at LMPC.org slash give. A reading this morning from Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 59. The word of the Lord, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that you were ready... If it were already kindled, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother in law against her daughter in law, and daughter in law against mother in law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hands you over to the officer, and the officer puts you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. This is the word of the Lord thanks be to god you may be seated
1: i'm brian salter lead pastor here and uh glad to welcome you to worship i have my welcome to chads Uh, it's a delight to be in god's word together we're finishing the chapter 12 of luke and just a reminder on days like today as we come to the lord's table god feeds us twice he feeds us now with his word and he'll feed us at his table now, the question is are we hungry do we feel an appetite to be fed by the king uh, in case you're realizing i just came here i didn't really think about my hunger uh, i want to pray that all of us would be hungry And that we would feed richly on Jesus in his word and at his table. Let's pray together. Lord, we're asking your spirit to take us in this very moment and give us all, all who gather, a deep hunger to feast on Jesus if we're here and we have no appetite we ask by your holy spirit that you would deliver it to us right now and that we would experience the joy the satisfaction the nourishment the sustaining provision of your word and your table come now and feed your people we pray in christ's name amen there are sayings that allow people to go on alert, allow people to maybe know what they're going to do next. One is red sky at night, a sailor's delight, red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Perhaps you've heard that, perhaps you haven't, depends on if you're on a boat probably, depends on if you're on the water much, but that red sky at night is an indicator that maybe you're going to have a great day tomorrow. And the red sky in the morning means take warning, take heed. Those sorts of sayings are all sorts of places in life. They can be helpful, they can be wise, they can be protective. Maybe sometimes they're not always right, but generally they help. Jesus has collected all sorts of sayings here in Luke 12. And I want you to know they're way more than just sayings. They're the authoritative word of the King of Kings. He has said some very hard things in this chapter. He has said some very comforting, inviting things. And today he has three things to say to us. He wants us to understand his distress, he wants to understand the need for discernment, he wants us to understand the reality of division. So let's begin with the reality of the distress that is in Jesus. You heard it in verse 49 and 50. He says at the end of 50, how great is my distress. Prior to that, he says, I came to. Anytime you see Jesus say that, you should stop and realize he's telling you part of his mission. I came to seek and save the lost. I came to eat and drink with sinners. I came to cast fire on the earth that one's one that maybe we go i don't i don't want that part of his mission i came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled fire here is a symbolic saying for divine judgment earlier in luke chapter 3 verse 9 every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown where into the fire Luke three seventeen. his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn but the chaff he will burn with what an unquenchable fire fire is judgment and with reference to this fire Jesus reveals this that he has come to judge the world and the fire of judgment is how his coming affects the world though though he would desire as he says oh that it would be kindled that immediately justice could come upon the broken world he knows that it is not yet time for such decisive judgment because he understands as he says in the next verse that first the fire must be laid upon him This is what he speaks of when he changes metaphors and moves to baptism. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. You see, yes, Christ will bring judgment at his second coming, at his return. But he knows now, this first coming, the fire of God's wrath will land on him. And he speaks of that with the words of baptism. You see, Jesus speaks of his death as a baptism what is that about well consider how the flood waters of noah destroyed the wicked consider how the the waters of the red sea destroyed those wicked egyptians in the bible baptism can serve as a metaphor for being inundated with the waters of divine judgment psalm 18 Verse 4, the cords of death encompassed me, the torrents, the waves of destruction assailed me. Verse 16 of that same psalm, he, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. Or, or Psalm 42, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have come over me. It's, a, it's an image of incredible inundation of distress. And Jesus knows that he will be uniquely inundated with the judgment of god and he is distressed baptism we understand to be connected with this wrath of god poured out as jesus talked to his disciples in mark chapter 10 verse 38 remember he asked them are you able to drink the cup that i drink Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. There he is speaking of drinking what was known in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah and in Isaiah, the cup of God's wrath. He, in this moment of his coming, knows he will drink the cup of God's wrath to the bottom. The anticipation of that drink, of that baptism, of that judgment leaves him simply, as he says, overwhelmed. I am in great distress. That's not to mean he is sinning with anxiety or worry. He's overwhelmed with the coming catastrophe of God's judgment that will visit him, that should have visited us who are in him. The sufferings of Jesus were dreadful. He was mocked, he was scourged, he was crucified. He's greatly troubled at the prospect of bearing the wrath of God in the place of sinners. All throughout his ministry, the shadow of the cross hung over our Savior. It was like his life was a permanent Gethsemane. You can hear it in your Savior when he would speak so often of the hour, the time. He lived, it seemed, every day thinking of this cup of this fire and in john chapter 12 27 he says now my soul is troubled what shall i say father save me from this hour for this purpose i have come to this hour even in the garden my soul is very sorrowful even to death remain here and watch was he distressed and in sorrow because of us no he was focused and fixed for us but he understood the wrath of God as the God-man. And to consider and contemplate this morning the distress that Jesus faced to purchase us is a good thing. He says it here, until it is accomplished. How great is my distress until it is accomplished. Right? Jesus went for what? The joy set before him. The joy was after it was accomplished which this word here accomplished in verse 50 is the word in Greek, telestai, which on the cross, what would he say? Tetelestai, finished. His distress, his overwhelming grief that marked his life as a Gethsemane life was for you, is for me and that is something we must discern the life and the work of jesus his heart for us and the reality of his work to take the wrath of god and the payment for us and then jesus turns to the inevitable division because of him in verse 51 he says after speaking of fire and baptism and distress do you think that i have come to give peace on earth now If Jesus were to come and just ask you that question I think most of us would say yes that is exactly what I think because I celebrate every Christmas the angel saying peace on earth so we would say yes we would say yes on the basis of Paul in Ephesians 2 where he writes for he himself is our peace he's he who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He came and preached peace. We who know the vision of the scriptures of where we're going, that the lion will lie down with the lamb and the eternal peace. So if Jesus were to come to us and ask this question, we would mostly fail the test. Because the answer, he says, is no. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there'll be five divided, three against two, two against three. They'll be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Now, he's not talking here about family conflict, all the in-law conflict. Don't worry, this isn't a place to justify its existence in your home. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the division that will exist between people because of their allegiance to Jesus. He's quoting actually Micah 7, 6. Micah the prophet said the same thing for the son treats the father with contempt the daughter rises up against her mother the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law a man's enemies are the men of his own house right there the prophet Micah speaking in that day describing the danger that the remnant who believed in Judah were face. Jesus takes this prophetic notion of Micah to show that when you hold on to Jesus It's going to separate you from others. And sometimes it's going to separate you from those who matter most to you. The last place that you expect to see opposition is often the most intense place where you face it. That's his point. In those close relationships where, yes, you're kin... But there's a division of belief in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this of Jesus. In the act of producing the peace of heaven, Jesus arouses the rage of hell. Truth produces opposition. Purity excites enmity. Righteousness arouses all the fires of wrong jesus is really helpful to us here he doesn't want us to be fools about what it means to follow him remember the crowds are around him this isn't a cute circus this isn't a painless following no jesus is establishing he is the great polarizer Meaning that if all of humanity were iron filings laid out on a sheet of paper, the entire existence of humanity would divide upon North and South Pole. Jesus is the polarizer. And that has implication for our times, for our expectations. Now, what does this mean for us? Based on Jesus saying this, should we then, therefore, intentionally divide and separate from our family? no jesus is not declaring that his primary mission is to bring division within relationships that's actually what happens in cults that's actually what's happening today with some of our secular ideology that because you believe this you must separate from your family you must reject your family you must turn away from your family No, Jesus is just simply making clear that one of the effects of the gospel is that when you are truly converted and when you are a true disciple, it will radically alter everything about you and that means even your closest relationships. Jesus is not calling you to turn against family members that don't believe. But he is saying, don't be surprised if they do. Because the gospel is a serious heavy hard truth so jesus speaks of his distress the inevitability of decision because of division because of him and then he turns to the urgency for discernment concerning him he begins to point to two images two metaphors verse 54 he also said to the crowds when you see a cloud rising in the west you say it once a shower is coming and so it happens when you see the south wind blowing you say there'll be scorching heat and it happens you see in that culture weather was rather easily discernible it's kind of like us you want to know what's about to happen look to alabama it's coming your way usually usually it's coming that way In that culture, discerning the weather was easily done. The west wind came from the Mediterranean. And when you got the west wind, the rain was coming. If you got the south wind, it came out of the Negev Desert. The south wind could raise the temperature 30 degrees in one hour. The people that day understood the winds. They understood the winds of the earth, but what Jesus is saying to them is, you don't understand the winds of God. You don't understand his movement they could read the weather signs but they were unable and the crowd if you remember those pharisees lying in wait are in this crowd he's saying it's not that you're unable merely unable you're unwilling you're adamantly opposed to all the fulfillment that's happening right in front of your eyes remember luke 4 this scripture is happening in your hearing absolutely unwilling the reality's right before them, and they can't see it. Jesus, right before them, and they refuse to acknowledge him as the King. We've told the story before that came out uh, during Queen Elizabeth's death of those two men that met her and her aide on that path walking, and they were just enamored with this man who they understood to be a part of the Queen's guard, and uh, and they asked him while the Queen was standing right next to him, you know, have you ever met the Queen? And she's standing right there. And then he says, what, what's she like? He very jokingly said, she can be a bit ordinary." She's standing right there. And then asked to get a picture with the queen's guard, not the queen. Can you imagine when that person got home? The queen's right in front of their face and they can't discern it. Now that's funny. It is not funny to fail to discern the king. It is a matter of life and death. To fail to discern Jesus, who for them was right before them, and I tell you, I believe this with all my heart Jesus is right before you this morning. By his Spirit, in his word, and at his table, he's right before you. Do you discern who he is? Do you rightly discern what he has come to do? He then moves to a court illustration verse 57 why do you not judge for yourselves what is right as you go with your accuser before the magistrate make an effort to settle with him on the way lest he drag you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer put you in prison this little parable this, this little story the point of it is, is this if you are criminally in trouble You must go before the judge and you realize that you have a weak defense. The point that Jesus is making is you would be wise to settle out of court. It would be a no-brainer given your weak defense if you could get a deal before you see the judge. Before you arrive at court. It is foolish in that system to insist to go before the judge with a weak case. That's his point how much more with the judge of all things, the living God. He says, I tell you, you'll never get out until you've paid the very last penny. What does he mean there? Our case before God is not just weak. It's hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. The debt of our sin incalculable notice he speaks of debt when he speaks you'll pay to the very last penny a lepton is what he speaks of the denarius was a day's wage a lepton represented 25 minutes of work the debt will be paid to the very last penny and now consider your debt before God, a holy judge. It will be settled. Will you receive the paid debt from Jesus on the cross before you see the judge? That's Jesus' point. It's a call for urgency. It's a call to receive what Colossians 2, 13 through 14 says, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulation that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Tetelestai. It actually means debt paid in full. It was what was nailed to the front of people's homes when their debt was finally paid off. So before you see the judge, will you take up Jesus and rest in faith upon him, the one who has paid your debt in full by his blood? This morning I invite us to be thankful Be thankful this morning for Jesus' faithfulness, though greatly distressed, to take the fire of judgment and the cup of wrath for you. This morning, I remind us, let's be mindful that King Jesus divides people into two groups, those repelled by him and those attracted to him. And this morning, let us be careful to discern Jesus and come underneath his full sacrificial debt payment. So that when we see the judge, it is a welcome, not wrath. Let us pray. We do pray to that end. O Father, make us thankful for all that you underwent in your distress towards the cross. That you drank the cup of the wrath of God to the bottom for us. Make us mindful that this time between your first and second coming is one where there are many repulsions to you and we'll feel those effects. But may we continually be drawn to you. Help us to be careful to discern you before our eyes, to discern the times rightly, and to seek to live under the paid debt of our sin by Jesus. And I pray this morning that if there are any here who realize they are heading to meet the judge and they are on the hook for their own debt, that you would bring them to saving faith in Jesus, that that might pray to you this morning. I want you to cover my debt for my sin by your blood. Oh, Father, as we come to the table, Give us all fresh faith in the one who paid completely for this meal. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.